Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 138, Light Communing with Darkness. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Welcome back to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell. I'm John Potts, and this is the show that talks about things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And we're going to get into something today, John, that is really kind of directed at, I would say, Christian believers. Okay. Uh, it's, it is a mystery, um, but it's a mystery that shouldn't be because um, if we were studying the Word of God properly, we wouldn't be falling for... Uh, some of the deception that's going on in the world today. But the Bible did say it was going to happen. Okay. So uh, we're going to discuss that. It's not an easy topic to discuss because you never want to feel like you're having to rebuke people. But I think the church in general needs the rebuke because I do believe we are the loudest sea in age. Yeah. And that's the lukewarm church, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, we're going to uh, discuss that here. In just a moment, but I want to just welcome you all for uh, being a part of the show today and tuning in and listening. I want to uh, remind you that this episode is sponsored by our seekers. We have people that subscribe, and you can subscribe too if you like to get uh, access to our bonus contest, but, uh, content, but it allows us to continue to give you this product, and um, we appreciate those of you that support the show. So today's episode is brought to us by Charles D., Rachel C., Monique R., Jennifer Lynn R., and Javier I., all who became members in December of 2022. Awesome. Thank you guys very much. Absolutely. We appreciate your support. You know, um, the the subscriptions that gives you access to our bonus content basically funds us to be able to continue to do this, and we want to reach as many people as we can. So obviously, uh, it is your support that makes that possible, so we really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, John, today we're going to talk about light communing with darkness. Okay. And it's really because I've gotten so many letters recently, not I mean just in the last week or so, but o- over a period of time. And they're from listeners that are believers in Christ. Okay. And But they've come to realize that the things that they were involved in as a Christian were not godly. And I'm not talking about drinking and you know activities that like we we know to be sinful things okay yeah. you know, excessive whatever um <clears throat> i'm talking about things that seem like they were godly but they're actually satanic and oh, so wow. we're talking about things okay. involving the occult new age that they that have crept into the church it's amazing how many new age and overtly occult practices have infiltrated the church Probably because sound doctrine is no longer being taught in churches. Yeah. Yeah. You know, churches have sort of become a, uh, you know, they want to get modernized and hip yeah. and have music and this. Mm-hmm. They don't want to offend anybody. So today, 
we're going to examine how we need to remove these things okay. from our lives and from our walk. It seemed like the key word there was, I was about to say, is acceptance, right? The yeah. churches feel like they have to be accepting of everything, right? Right. Can't hurt anybody's feelings because then we're going to drive them away to some other church that will accept any other yeah. idea. Well, right? you see entire denominational systems that have gone from being staunchly against a certain teaching that used to be prominent and true mm-hmm. to accepting, you know, gay pastors or, or yeah. gay marriage or, and I'm not just picking on those yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't care what people do in their homes, but uh, in the church, uh, what we should be doing is in accordance with the word of God and people will mm-hmm. justify anything. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. man is a master of justification, but Paul makes it very clear. The apostle Paul that we are not to have communion with darkness. And we're going to go to 2 mm-hmm. Corinthians chapter 6 because I can't tell you how many Christians have told me they thought this passage was about not marrying an unbeliever. Myself included. Have you? Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah that's exactly what I thought about. Okay, if, and I think it's taught that way. If, if it's the one that I think you're about to read, but I guess I should let you read it first. So Yeah, let's read okay. it. And, and it's in uh, chapter 6. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and look in verse 11. O ye Corinthians, Paul writes... Our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. You're not straightened in us, but you are straightened in your own bowels. And straightened means like restricted. Okay. So it kind of sounds like he's saying you're restricted in your bowels like they have a digestive problem. Mm -hmm. But what he's saying is bowels in the King James Bible was the seat of emotions. Okay. So you're being restricted. You're not reaching the Lord. You're not communing with him properly. You know, what you're doing is an error, he's saying. Okay. He says... um, now, for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. He's saying to, to fix this, to correct this thing, to make it right between you and the Lord, mm-hmm. you need to open your hearts. You need to understand. Okay. So he says in verse 14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, right off the bat here, that may be the passage you're familiar with. Yeah. That's exactly right. And and I want to ask, and I want you all to be careful how you answer this. Do you consider marriage a yoke? <laughs> I mean, sometimes it can be. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I guess in the sense of when you think of like a yoke of oxen pulling yeah. a plow. So who's pulling harder? Yeah, the yoke is designed to bear the burden together. Yeah. Even the yeah, load. Yeah. So I can see it in a positive way as when you get married, the two of you are now in life together, pulling through life together, raising yeah. your kids, facing the burdens of life together. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. But I think yoke is generally considered to be something that's hard and heavy and a burden and negative. Yeah. So yeah. when you call marriage a yoke in that respect, then it seems strange to me that so many preachers have likened this passage to only referring to yeah. not marrying an unbeliever. And that's not what you talking about. The context is idolatry. And mm-hmm. it's very clear if you read it. So verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Somebody who's simply an unbeliever, a person, is not representative of unrighteousness. Okay. They may be unrighteous, yeah, yeah. but unrighteousness in general is the term here. It's not a specific individual. Yeah, because a, a person that is a believer may be unrighteous. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Good point. And what communion or fellowship yeah. hath light with darkness? And that's why the term light communion with darkness is the mm-hmm. title of our episode today. 
somebody that's lost isn't necessarily darkness. Yeah. You know, unsaved people can do kind things, yeah. can be helpful, can be friendly, whatever, uh, productive. Verse 15, and what concord, which is like agreeing together for a purpose, what concord hath Christ with Belial? Now, Belial is like another name for Satan. Okay. Yeah. So you don't want to accuse a person that's lost of being Belial. Yeah. You know, yeah. or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Now, infidel right there should be the first clue, if you haven't already gotten it, that uh, it's not about marriage. Because an infidel is a person that worships idols. Okay. There's idolatry involved in a paganistic way, which the entire world was surrounded with paganism. Yeah. You know, when Paul wrote these letters, the world was given over to idolatry. All right. And then finally, verse 16, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? So the temple of God is obviously the temple in Jerusalem. Yeah. But by extension, ye are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In a sense, we, the body of Christ, are. So mm -hmm. Christ dwelling in us is a picture of like the temple Yeah. in that sense. So maybe that's where people get the idea of your body as a temple and therefore don't join hmm. yourself okay. to another person who's lost. But it's about the actual practice of idolatry, and that's what the word idols is for. And he, then he goes on to explain that in no uncertain terms. He says, For you are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, I could say, from them. Who is they? It's the infidels. It's cry. I mean, it's Belial. It's unrighteousness. It's darkness. Mm -hmm. It's idolatry. Come out from among those who worship fallen angels and devils and, and the gods. He said, come out from it and I will receive you um, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. The unclean thing is, a, is an image, yeah. an idol. And I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So Paul makes very clear we are not to have communion with darkness. And too many saints believe this passage is limited to marrying an unbeliever, but they're missing the point of the passage. So it's the church. The church is the temple of the living God. Not yeah. just you as an individual, like my body's a temple. Well, no, the body of Christ is the temple. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're part of the body of Christ. And we're members in particular. But Christ, it's not like the Holy Spirit is... Um, you know, it's like there's a little Ark of the Covenant inside each believer. Yeah. You know, there's only one Ark. You know, so God is dwelling in the, in the temple of the body of Christ, which is his church. Does the Spirit seal each one of us individually? Absolutely. Hmm. And does Christ dwell in our hearts by faith? Absolutely. But the passage is not talking about marriage. <clears throat> but let me ask you this, does it, because it seems to me that the passage is talking here more about the darkness, right? And the mm -hmm. things of the darkness and the things of idolatry to yes. not be around those. It's not saying don't be around people that maybe are involved with them. And you can correct me here if you think I'm wrong. I don't mind. Because I think that if you have friends that are Buddhist or you have friends that are involved in the new age, I don't think that God or Jesus calls you to, hey, don't even go near those people, yeah. right? Because how else are we going to reach them, right? Right. But if they were to say, come, let me give you an example. Someone, if you had a friend who's a very deep into Wicca, mm -hmm. right? 
and you're trying to get the message to that person, and that person were to come to you and say, hey, we're having a moon ceremony. Mm-hmm. Like, you keep asking me to go to church. Why don't you come to the moon ceremony? Yeah. I think that I think this message is probably saying, you know what? This is where we got to draw the line yeah. here. Absolutely. Like, I, you, you can't go to the moon ceremony. Yeah. I still want you to invite them to church, and I still want you to preach to them. Yeah. But you can't go to the moon ceremony, just yeah. to use as an example. Absolutely. That, that's, a, that's a great example, John. And I think that that's catching the gist of what we're talking about. You know, obviously... If we were never to have anything to do with anybody lost, we'd have to leave the world. Yeah. Paul even said something to that effect. Yeah. We must needs go out of the world to avoid any interaction with people because at what point, you, you know, if you spend a dollar at the grocery store, you don't know that the owner of that store tithes to Satan. You have oh, no yeah, idea. Yeah. You don't know what they do with that money. Or they go and they buy and they gamble or, or something that you're opposed to, whatever. It doesn't matter. So you, you can't be that extreme with it. Yeah. What, what you've got to understand is it's a general idea of we should not be allowing demonic or satanic darkness or influence to come into the temple, the church, yeah. the body of Christ. Yeah. And, and we do that as individuals. But no, we're here to reach the lost. Christ said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're not here to have nothing to do with the lost. We're here to win them over to Christ. But we have to understand that there's a parallel today in, in there's a parallel in the scriptures that is going on today. And I'm going to use this to illustrate the point, I think, of what's happened to the, the church today okay. through acceptance, through a misunderstanding of what this means. So we're going to go to Second Kings chapter 17. And uh, it's a very interesting passage um, for the context by this time in history. Israel is a divided kingdom. Um, Solomon was the son of David, and because of his sin and what he did in worshiping idols, okay. the idolatry in Israel you know, sort of began with him turning from the Lord. I mean, it wasn't the first time anybody worshiped idols, but, but he was a king. He was a leader. And um, This was went, King Solomon? King Solomon, okay. yeah. It's interesting because... In righteousness, he was a type of Christ. In his turn from the Lord, he's a type of the Antichrist. In one individual, isn't that something? In the Bible. Uh, But um, what he did caused the Lord to rend the kingdom in two. So Solomon had a son whose name was Rehoboam. Okay. Rehoboam. And he became king after Solomon died and took over the kingdom that was left to Solomon which ended up being two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, okay. which collectively became known as Judea when Christ arrived many, many years later. Okay. Okay. And then to the, the 10 other tribes, since they were the majority, were kind of known as Israel. Okay. So you had Israel and Judea throughout okay. the scriptures when, when the kingdom separated. Okay. And since Jerusalem was in Judea, and that was the place of worship. Another king took over the ten tribes, and his name was Jeroboam. Okay. So their names sound really similar, yeah. but Jeroboam was not related to Solomon. He was the son of Nebat. And so he figured out pretty quickly that if Jerusalem was the place to worship and all the ten tribes would go down there for the feast, like Pentecost and things like that, mm-hmm. that he would quickly lose control of them and their hearts would be turned back to Rehoboam. 
the son of Solomon. Okay. So he thought, well, then I'll set up idols for them to worship in Israel, in hmm. the mountains of Samaria, which ultimately led to them being called Samaria. Yeah. So it became known by the time of Christ as Samaria and Judea. Wow. Okay. Okay. So Israel divided into Judah or Judea and Samaria by okay. the time of Christ. And it was the Samaritans that were looked down upon by the Jews because yeah. they were first carried captive because of idolatry. Okay. Now, Judah turned around and did the same thing they did. Okay. And they were later all carried captive to Babylon. But before Nebuchadnezzar carried the entire nations into Babylon, uh, Assyria, a northern kingdom of Israel, took the Samaritans away. Okay. And carried them captive. Hmm. And once they were there, they repented of it and they begged God to, for forgiveness. And so God gave them a little bit of relief. And the king of Assyria let them go back into the land, hmm. their home in Israel. Yeah. So we're going to pick up from there in the narrative of what happened when they went back to the land. Okay. Okay. They're still bad, <laughs> but, yeah. but they were punished for their badness. And they're saying, please, God, we, we're sorry. And let us yeah. go back home. All right. So Second oh. Kings chapter 17, verse 6. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Hala and in Habor by the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. And Medes would have been like Persia. Okay. So in other words, you could see that he carried them captive. He defeated them and mm -hmm. they were distributed away from their land. Verse 7, for so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord God, their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods. So why were they punished? Because of idolatry. Okay. And walked in the statutes of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel, and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. In other words, all those Canaanite giants and the wickedness they were doing, that Israel defeated them by the Lord's power yeah. when they conquered Canaan, they turned right around and adopted their habits. Okay. Verse 9, And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God, and they built them high places in all their cities, from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burnt incense in all the high places, as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols, whereof the Lord had said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways, and keep my commandments and my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers, and which I sent to you by my servants the prophets. So the point being here is, during the time they were doing these secret wicked things, God kept sending them the prophets mm -hmm. to turn them back, yeah. and they wouldn't listen. Verse 14, Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he testified against them. And they followed vanity, which is religious idolatry, and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should do not, not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even to calves 
the cherub, right? Yeah. Uh, Satan, and made a grove and worshiped all the host of heaven and served Baal, uh, a Canaanite name for Satan. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire, hmm. child destruction, and used divination and enchantments, witchcraft, and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Now, you got to think of the irony here. God used the children of Israel to destroy the Nephilim giants and the people of the land of Canaan for doing these very things. Yeah. And he said, kill everything, children, women, all of it. And then they turn around and do the exact same thing. You don't think God's going to punish them for that? Yeah. So he's exactly. going to punish them. Verse uh, 18, Where, therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. So they turned around, like I said, and did the same thing. Verse 20, and the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of the spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. And the ones who were spoiling them were Assyria and King Hoshea. For he rent Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, king. And Jeroboam drave Israel from following the Lord and made them sin a great sin. So Jeroboam was the king, and he was the reason why they became so wicked. Yeah. He, he wanted to keep them under his control. <clears throat> Verse 22, for the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight. As he had said by all his servants, the prophets, so Israel was carried away unto, uh, out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. So that's kind of a, the story that I tried to summarize a little bit yeah. and get us to this point. Verse 24, and the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutha and from Ava, and from Hamath, and from Sepharvim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. So you got to think about it. <clears throat> Hoshea empties the land out of all the people, sends them captive. Mm -hmm. Now you got an empty land. Well, animals are going to come in and take over. People aren't there. Yeah. So he puts his people. He brings his guys in. His guys yeah. in. And says, you go in there and you run the place and fill up the cities with your citizens mm -hmm. and whatever. And the thing you got to think about is this is, the, again, an irony thing with the Lord and his sense of humor. The symbol of Assyria's power is the lion. You okay. see all these statues from that time of these kings holding lions under their arms, you know, and they might have been Nephilim kings. I don't know. Yeah, they hunted lions. Uh, that was considered to be a... Uh, a symbol of power and prowess, you know, the king yeah. would go hunt and capture a lion and, oh, he's a great king because he caught the lion, you know, because mm -hmm. there yeah. used to be a lot of Asiatic lions in the land. Right. Now, that why is that important? Well, look in verse 25. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. These heathens that were put in the land in place of Israel, they don't care about God. They don't know who he is. They feared not the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. That's funny to me. He uh -huh. used their own thing, their own yeah. God worship against them. Wherefore, they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations, the nations which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria, know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore, he hath sent lions among them, and behold, they slay them, because they know not the manner of the God of the land. Hmm. So they're thinking, the reason why 
all the new people you put in Samaria are getting killed by lions is because they don't fear the God of that land. That's how pagans think. Yeah. They think of gods, regional gods, local gods, and whatnot. So then, verse 27, the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry thither one of the priests whom you brought from thence, and let them go and dwell there. In other words, a Jew. Take one okay. of the priests of Israel and put them in the land and let them go dwell there and let them teach them the manner of the God of the land. So he's thinking the answer is, well, we'll teach them to fear that God too. So the lions won't eat them. How'd you like to be that priest? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's lions killing everybody. Right. We're going to send you in to teach them. <laughs> exactly. So then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel, back in Samaria, and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Hmm. How be it, every nation made gods of their own and put them in the houses of the high places, which the Samaritans had made, every nation in their cities wherein they dwelt. And the men of Babylon made Sukkoth Benoth, and the men of Kuth made Nergal, these are gods, yeah. and the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartak, and the Sepharvites burnt their children in the fire to Adrimelech and Anemelech, the gods of the Sepharvaim. So they feared the Lord and made unto themselves of the lowest of them priests of the high places, which sacrificed for them in the houses of the high places. They feared the Lord and served their own gods after the manner of the nations whom they carried away from thence. Hmm. Now, to me, that parallel is what's going on in the church today. Yeah. Absolutely. They've they've decided to uh, to make sure they go along to get along and not be eaten by lions. They're going to also worship the other gods, allowing these things into the church. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the the parallel I'm making. So there's a mixing of the Lord with idolatry. I was just thinking while you were reading that whole thing, I was like, man, it's and I didn't know you were going to say that last statement, but I was just like, this sounds like. Maybe maybe modern day church is the wrong word, but just people in general, right? That you have all this opportunity to hear from God, His Word, and yeah. people still go, "Yeah, I don't know about that." Yeah. Nah, I don't know about that. And it seems like that's what's happening over and over again. Yeah. He's sending seers to them. He's sending prophets to them. He's sending them their own priests, and yeah. they're still like, "Yeah, I don't know if I believe all that stuff." Until right. I guess at the end they kind of compromise and they say, "You know what? If we got to believe in you." So the lions don't eat us anymore. Yeah. That's great. But we still want to do what we're doing. You know, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's this compromise is a good word. Yeah. John. That, that's what the and that's the lukewarm nature yeah. of the church today. That's why I said last episode that I don't believe the uh, the uh, church, the body of Christ goes out with a bang. I think it goes out with a whimper. Mm -hmm. The rapture is going to happen, not because we just fill up so many people, but because we failed. To do, wow. if we're no longer effective, God doesn't need us here anymore. Yeah, He's ready to move on to the next thing. Yeah, you know. So Paul was well aware of Israel's past idolatrous history and nature, and he was warning the church not to fall for the same error. It's always back to that same passage in Ecclesiastes about that which is shall be has been before. Yeah, yeah. I'm paraphrasing it poorly, yeah. but you get the idea. <laughs> so go with me to Ephesians five. Let's go to what Paul. Uh, back to what Paul said. Didn't you, you were telling me before we even started recording, and then Paul said, as in the days past, he used to reference that yeah, all the time. Over and over <laughs> again, as it is written, as yeah. it is written. And it's so funny that um, you and I both grew up with a teaching that says, only study Paul's letters. 
you know, I, I'm that's a misinterpretation of it, but that's yeah, the gist yeah. of it. That was the the spirit of it was you find the doctrine for the church in Paul's thirteen letters. Well, in all those letters, he's constantly pointing back. Yeah, pointing back, saying, "Look at that. There's the example. There's the example." So, <clears throat> chapter five, in verse one, we read, and and here's a way that you can apply the First Corinthians thing about communion with darkness and light. Okay, he says, "Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children." And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So right off the bat, he's saying we're to live our lives in full sacrifice as Christ did for us. Mm-hmm. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Well, that's named among the saints all over. Today. Yeah. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, uh, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater. So there's another definition of idolatry, covetousness. Hmm. Right? Uh, Hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. There's a teaching out there that says, when Christ died for sins, that all sins were forgiven. Mm-hmm. But that's not really true. Okay. Because if that were true, then why would the wrath of God be coming on those who commit sins? Okay. So are you saying there's a distinction between sins? No, I'm saying there's a distinction between belief. Your okay. sins are forgiven the moment you believe. Yeah. And yeah. it's put to your account. Yeah. But a person who will not accept Jesus Christ dies in their sins. Sure. Therefore, yeah. those in the lake of fire are later called whoremongers, liars, murderers, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, if their sins were paid for, they couldn't call them that. Their sins uh, okay, so you're saying just because Jesus died on the cross doesn't mean everybody's saved. You have to actually believe that, to, that it happened. Accept it. And it was for you because you do these things. Yes. Yeah. You have to accept it. And so um, he's saying, be not ye partakers with them. If God's going to judge mankind because of their sins for rejecting Christ... Why would you then participate in those same sins as a believer? Mm-hmm. Because then you're, you're showing despite to the gospel. Yeah. yeah. And he says, verse 8, For you were sometimes darkness, <clears throat> but now are you light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. Mm-hmm. And we should be walking as children of light. That means we've got to, and as we're going to see in a little bit, we've got to examine all the stuff that's coming into the church and find out by the word of God, is it right? Yeah. It's easy maybe to say filthiness or um, uh, um, covetousness or whatever is bad. You can see that. But there's a lot of Christians that think it's okay to do a lot of things because they've been accepted by the church. But that doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it right. Verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. But here's the word, verse 10, proving what is acceptable under the Lord. Now, I'm going to back up to read it without the parentheses. So we're going to go from verse 8 to verse 10. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, proving what is acceptable under the Lord. And how do we prove it? By knowing that the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So the word proving is means put it to the test. Hmm. How do I prove whether or not something is good? It must be of the fruit of the Spirit. It must be in all goodness and righteousness and truth. If it violates the truth, 
it's not right. Yeah. It should be proven to be unacceptable. Yeah. Verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And we hint to that all the time about like child sex trafficking. Yeah. Those yeah. Things, the, the satanic elites have a secret. If the world knew what they were doing, there would be a, a, an immediate rebellion. Yeah. If the, if the truth ever came out, there, we, there would be an overthrow of every government and we would be stringing up Soros and the billionaires and we, we'd be burning them at the stake. You would hope so. Yeah, yeah. Well, ex- except for the people that want to participate in the Unless wickedness. it's a lot more rampant than we know about. <clears throat> it might be. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. To manifest is like to, to expose it, mm-hmm. to publish it. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Well, if they were evil when Paul wrote this, how much more evil are they now, yeah. right? <clears throat> and they were evil back then. But the word I love there is circumspectly. That's not a word we use very much. No. That's a good old word. We should use it again. And you can break it down into two components to understand it. Circum is like a circle. Okay. And spectly is like a spectator. Okay. So if you okay. take a circle and a spectator, and a spectator looks and he views something, he's watching. Okay. All right. And a circle is all around you. So walk circumspectly means looking all around. Hmm. Okay. Like, like you're on guard. Yeah. Yeah. And your your job is to stay alert and to march up and down and make it halt who goes there. You know, you want yeah. to make sure the enemy doesn't get through. And we've lost that. The church has become complacent and lazy and apathetic and, frankly, selfish. Yeah. And so we don't care anymore. You know, we want to go have our praise and worship, and we want to stand and sing the verse 50 times. Uh, Mm -hmm. My God is an awesome God. And they're going to do all this stuff with the rock band and everything else. And I'm sorry, that's spiritually immature. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, It's not worship, and it's not right. It's, uh, it's glorifying the flesh and the music uh, and, the, uh, and the experience rather than being filled with the Spirit, being fed by the Word of God. And so the okay. reason why they fall for all this stuff is because they're not being grounded in the truth. Yeah. You get a 10-minute message on a, two points in a poem or something, uh-huh. you know, you're yeah. not getting fed the Word of God. Yeah. So darkness has been accepted as light in the church today due to spiritual immaturity. Pastors aren't preaching sound doctrine. The focus is on the music, like I said, and and the flock has been led astray. So the Corinthian church is the perfect example of the carnal, immature church, Hmm. which ironically is the church that is used to pattern all modern churches after. The worst example was used to pattern the church. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, fleshly, even as unto babes in Christ. Hmm. That's another way of saying you won't grow up. You're immature. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able, for you're yet carnal. 
For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnally walk as men? And you saw the church break up into all the denominations over the last five, six hundred years. Yeah. You know, uh, divisions. And while one saith, I am of Paul, another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? We could say, I'm of Luther, I'm of Campbell, I'm of the Pope. I mean, all of this division, right? So Paul wrote two letters of rebuke to a carnal church, and they came to be used as the basis for how we should serve the Lord at some point. Hmm. You know, the... the, the, And that's 1st and 2nd Corinthians? Yeah. Okay. And I would say the the very evangelical, um, charismatic type churches, uh-huh. which they kind of lean to that. They're all about experiences and the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues, and also they pattern the way they want to be after these two churches. So, would you say, if, if for a new believer or just someone that's searching for a church, do you use First and Second Corinthians kind of as your model of? <laughs> What a church shouldn't be? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like when you're looking, if you go to a church and it's kind of like, it kind of, I kind of feel like it's this church in First yeah. Corinthians. I, you know, maybe I should steer clear of this. I don't know. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks. I would recommend it. And the problem is it's getting harder and harder to find a sound Bible teaching church. Yeah. People write me a lot and ask, do you know of a church in my area? And they're from all over. Yeah, yeah. And I don't. I don't know of one because they're all, and, and I'm sure that part of the pandemic, plandemic, yeah. was designed to destroy as many churches as possible. You mm-hmm. shut them down so yeah, people yeah. can go. And, um, you know, all these things are working against it. But ultimately, Christianity is coming under attack. And I think for the large part, the church is going to so accept deception because they're so used to it. They're going to easily conform to the Antichrist. Yeah. You know, uh, obviously, if you're saved, you're going to go out in the rapture anyway. But uh, there'll be a lot of people that are in churches today that aren't saved because the gospel is not being preached. I've, I heard an amazing statistic, and I'm going to just throw out some numbers here, but it's like something crazy. It's crazy high. Like 60% of self-proclaimed Christians don't even believe in Satan. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the number, but it was something really high. I mean, I was like, what? And it's almost like this dumbing down of the base. The basics is not the word, but you know what I mean? Like they're just blurring all the lines so much that it's like, you know what? Maybe this thing, Satan's not even real. Yeah. God's still real, but Satan, eh, like it's this real good, feel good. Let's just go listen to some cool tunes and then get a message, you know. So it's a feel good message. Yeah, you you got like a Joel Osteen preaching prosperity gospel in Houston. He's got the biggest church in America. Yeah, or as close to it. And and I've never heard. Does he even preach all the or the Bible? I was gonna say, does he even preach all the? I I have sat there and watched him. Yeah. And I'm going, this, this is like a motivational speech. Yeah, that's what he is. Yeah. You know, and more power to him. You want to motivate people, that's fine. But that's not the gospel. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. not the cross. So don't call yourself a church. Yeah. You know. Um, so there's disorder and division in the Corinthian church. Mm-hmm. 
It, and there's a similar disorder today because we pattern ourselves. Yeah. The church has patterned itself. Look at chapter 14, verse 26, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Paul says, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. I mean, you, it's like he's saying this isn't right. Everybody thinks, oh, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord told me this, you know. Mm-hmm. All of us are, you know, we're all filled with the Spirit, so we all can't say anything wrong. I know Christians that think that every word that comes out of their mouth, every thought in their head, they believe it came from the Holy Spirit, so it must be right. And it's just not true. Yeah. You know, being sealed with the Spirit of God does not automatically make Chris, you, you have you, God's intelligence. So you said that you know Christians, that every thought that comes out of their head, they think is from God? Yeah. They act like it. Oh, I was going to say, well, then that means I'm not a Christian because I guarantee you. I mean, you think all kinds of stuff. They're not saying that's the evidence of them being a Christian. They believe that because they're spirit-filled and because they've gone through some experiential thing, like maybe speaking in tongues or laying on of hands or whatever, whatever, that any thought that pops into their head was given to them by the Holy Ghost. Hmm. And instead of thinking... Hmm, I've got this thought. Let's see. Let's check it out by the Word of God. Let's see yeah. if it's true. Does it hold up to Scripture? Instead of thinking that, they just blurt it out. And they'll just tell you whatever, and they think it's that's it's got to be divine because it came into my head, and I'm feel, spirit filled. So God wouldn't give me a thought that wasn't His. You see the the, the backwards. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. it's just it's a, a circular logic, hmm. and it's it's wrong. So. The church has mixed the cup of the Lord with the cup of devils because most of that stuff actually came from paganistic practices. Most okay. of those kind of experiential things uh, were carryovers. Even speaking in tongues were carryovers because yeah. because actual speaking in tongues is when uh, an unlearned person like one of the twelve began to speak the word of God in other languages they did not know. Yeah, it wasn't this. I, Brother Moore used to do a fun thing where he'd imitate somebody speaking in tongues, and he'd say, "Possum up a gum stump," because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounds like. It's yeah. just gibberish, you know. And uh, but people have been doing that kind of ecstatic speech in occult and satanic rituals for for but centuries. Doesn't the word say that you should have an interpreter there? If you're speaking in tongues, you should have an interpreter there? It does, and the interpreter would be able to understand what the language was. So it's like if you spoke French, and I suddenly started speaking in French, and uh, why I would need to do that, I have no idea, because I don't know any French-speaking people. But let's say somehow I was, we went to Paris, yeah, and yeah. I started standing on a corner, and suddenly God gave me the gift to speak in tongues, and I start preaching the gospel in French. Well, all the French people are going to understand it. Yeah. And then you would interpret if somebody were there was Germ- from Germany, oh, what's he saying? Yeah. And maybe you had the gift to be able to translate French into German or English or something they could understand, you know. But that that's... That's not what's going on today yeah. in the churches. There, it's it's glossolalia or whatever they call it. It's just ecstatic speech. Wow! And it's not a it's not a language. They say it's an angelic tongue. It sounds yeah. demonic to me. It, it, well, it is. It yeah. is. It is. And I know that's going to offend and upset some people, but it's about spiritual maturity. Yeah. Because even if you were gifted to actually speak in other tongues, mm-hmm. which would mean other languages. Even if you had that gift, um, Paul said we were to covet earnestly the best gifts. He said, yet I show unto you a more excellent way than all the gifts. And then he mm-hmm. goes into 1 Corinthians 13 about love and charity and that what we what we want is to become to a perfect man. He wants to grow up 
to mature. And the Christian church is still in diapers today. They hmm. will not grow up. So look in chapter 10, 1 Corinthians 10. And I'm not talking about intellectual maturity. I'm talking about spiritual maturity. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14 Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Actually, um, I'm in the wrong passage here. Uh, no, I'm not. Yeah. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, he's talking about like the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The wine represents the blood. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. And, and this is the bread. He's the word of God. Yeah. This is what we're talking about. It's a picture. The, the bread we eat is a picture of the body of Christ. Okay. It's a picture of the word of God. Uh, verse 18. Behold Israel after the flesh. Are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? You saw at the priesthood when, when you brought your sacrifice. Uh, they burned it and laid it on the altar, but they got to take a portion for themselves. Okay. Because that was their living. Verse 19. What say I then? That the idol is anything? Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Hmm. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the tables of devils. So have we in introduced idolatrous practices and traditions into the church? Then hmm. we're partaking of the cup of devils. Verse 22, do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Obviously not. So the church has mixed the cup of the Lord with the cup of devils when we incorporate things with pagan, idolatrous origins into our worship as the, of the Lord, just as the ones in Samaria did. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I, like many, believe there's types in the seven churches of Asia and so when I refer to you about the lukewarm Laodiceans, mm -hmm. I'm talking about Revelation 3. So let me show you. Okay. Um, you know, I didn't come up with this. I don't remember where I first read it. But it certainly uh, it has been widely understood that um, the seven actual churches in Asia in the book of Revelation were real churches. But um, the last church in the list, the seventh church, is Laodicea. Okay. So if those churches represent ages of the church, the time of the dispensation of grace or the time of the beginning yeah. of sorrows, then the seventh church is the last one. Okay. Verse 14, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm... And neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And I think that's a picture of the end. That's a, hey, you're done. You're finished. I'm done with you. You're coming up. I'm taking you out of this world because you're no longer doing what and I And then need. this is where the rapture occurs. Yep. I, right after, yeah. yeah. So would the churches <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians fall into this age, or would they be before this? No, they age? wouldn't fall into the age. They lived in that time of Paul. Yeah. Uh, but they are a picture of the age, okay. in my opinion. Okay. You know, they're a type. And, and look what he says in verse hmm. 17. This almost matches them. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods. 
and have need of nothing. And the Corinthians did say that. Oh, we're rich. We're wise. We know it all. We speak in tongues. We have all these gifts. That's what they were boasting in. Mm -hmm. And he said, but you're carnal and you're divided and you're children of malice. He let them have it. Those letters are strong rebukes to correct them. And they even had a guy, he said, you get to get him out of there. Yeah. You know, they had to put him out. Uh, He says, uh, I have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And I'd say that's a good description Hmm. of the church today. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, which is this, right? That thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Well, just as Paul rebuked the Corinthians, Christ Hmm. speaking through him. uh, Christ is rebuking the Laodiceans, and he says, Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And if if they did, you know, we'd be effective. And maybe there's going to be a handful that repent of this lackadaisical attitude and start serving the Lord. Maybe that's kind of what's happening with this sudden surgence of people um, standing up to talk about these things like UFOs and Nephilim and mm-hmm. and, and the uh, satanic global elite. And we're not the only ones. You know, yeah, there's yeah. a bunch of groups out there doing this and, and exposing <laughs> the weakness of the church today. Interesting. Yeah. So I think um, from this perspective, I see us living in the Laocene age. We're a lukewarm church, and Christ is ready to spew us out of his mouth. And that ties me back into something I've referred to, but I'm going to go into a little detail here to wrap up. Okay. It's called the olive tree, and it's in Romans chapter 11. So <clears throat> this will explain why I think that the church is going to end not just because we fill up some number. Yeah. You know, the rapture is going to happen not because we fill up the body. Because there's more. Remember, the body of Christ is all the church. Yeah. There's more saints to be saved in Israel. And, uh, and whatever. So it's we're not done. The number is going to be all the saints that ever get saved from the beginning of time. Okay. Not just yeah, this yeah. one group in this dispensation of grace. So I think it's going to be that this group is going to be broken off of the olive tree when we're done. Okay. Romans yeah. chapter 11, verse 16. For if the first root be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. Now, the context of Romans 11, John, is... Israel, the nation, was blinded. We talked about their, you know, um, uh, their uh, being, the the timetable ended and the beginning of sorrows began. Yeah. And the prophecy of the kingdom of heaven went into abeyance. Okay. And it's waiting until the seven years of tribulation. And so right now, Israel's in darkness as a nation. They're in blindness as a nation. Mm -hmm. Individual Jews can be saved by the same gospel that'll save you and me, Mm -hmm. right? But God's not dealing with Israel nationally. So he says, verse 17, and if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, and thou in the context is the Gentile. Okay. Because he said in verse 13, I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I'm the apostle of the Gentiles. So Paul's the apostle of the Gentiles. All right. So he's saying, if you are a wild olive tree as a Gentile, mm-hmm. being grafted into a natural olive tree, which is Israel. Yeah. All right. Okay. The blessings of Israel. All right. He says in verse 18, boast not against the branches. Don't think, ha, look at me. We're better. We're, we're the church. We replaced Israel. Yeah. Don't boast against the olive tree. 
of the branches rather. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Hey, you're you're alive because of the tree, not the tree's mm -hmm. not alive because of you, right? Uh, that will say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Pride. Yeah. Yeah. God got rid of the nation Israel. We're the new Israel. We're God's Israel. No, you're not. He mm. says, Well, because of unbelief they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Well, what are they to fear? Verse 21. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Well, what did he do when he broke off the natural branches? He cut them off from being a nation. Yeah. He's going to restore them back later. But the Gentiles are in the same position. If you're going to refuse to obey the Lord, he's going to cut you off too. Mm -hmm. We'll go out. We're done. Your, your service is done. No more rewards. It's all done. It's finished. We'll go up to be with the Lord because we're saved. Yeah. But then God's going to start dealing with Israel again. Verse uh, 22, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. On them which fell, Israel, the natural branches, severity. But toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. Nothing about this has to do with losing salvation. It has to do with losing a place. Yeah losing a position of the benefits of God's grace, which is going to end when we get cut off. Hmm. We're going to go back to be with the Lord and those that are saved, and the grace is no longer going to be preached. It's going to go back to the preaching of the kingdom of heaven. Interesting. Yeah. So if the wild olive branches are about to be cut off and the natural branches are about to be grafted back in, I, and he was talking about this here. He didn't give a timeline. Yeah, but he yeah. goes on later to talk about the mystery about Israel being blinded and they're all going to be saved. When are they going to be saved? After the natural branches are grafted back in. So that means the uh, the wild olive branches have to be cut off. That's so this, the end this of the church. is a, a change in a time period then. Change of the dispensation. Absolutely. And so Paul mm. knew this was coming. He wrote about it in Romans. But again, back to the carnal Christian church at Corinth that was spiritually immature, he had to correct everything about them because they were not using the wisdom of God to prove all things. And look what happened. He says in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, chapter 11, 2 Corinthians verse 1, he says, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. So there's a godly jealousy, right? Okay. 2 Corinthians, yeah. Yep. Sorry, I was um, in the wrong verse. That's right. Uh, verse 2, For I have espoused you to one husband, that I present you may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So Paul loved the Corinthians, and he wanted to correct their behavior. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing this because I love you. He says, But I fear, verse 3, lest by any means as the servant beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. What did the serpent say to Eve? What's the one thing that has persuaded her? If you eat of the uh, tree of knowledge and evil. You shall be what? You should be like the most high, all right? As gods. As gods, okay. Yeah. The church is being introduced to the same satanic doctrine. Hmm. It just as the serpent beguiled Eve, I fear you're going to be corrupted. Because all these doctrines that are coming to the church are the doctrines of you becoming a gods. You know, hmm. uh, Hinduism teaches that you'll be a god eventually. Yeah. And from them comes the yoga and the Reiki healing and whatever. Mm -hmm. you know, maybe Reiki is another country, Japan or something. Um, crystals, ascended masters, chanting, mantras, new mm -hmm. age, chakra, karma, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Satanic, occult origin in the church today. 
Hmm. You know, I, I knew a, a group that was introducing Christian yoga. You know, they, they gave another acronym for it. Yeah. But it was like a, a you know, to, to, and maybe they were just looking at it as a way to practice an exercise because yeah. stretching is good. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, but I, I have a feeling that uh, what was really going on is subtly introducing leaven yeah. into the church. Uh, he says, um, look in verse four, for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom you've not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which you've not received, or another gospel, which you've not accepted, you might well bear with him. And when you put that in the context, he's saying, I'm afraid of you, Corinthians, that if somebody comes and preaches another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel, you're going to believe it. You're going to bear with him. Mm -hmm. You're going to put up with it. Then is there another Jesus? Yes. A false one. Yeah. Is there another spirit? Yes. A false spirit and a false gospel. So Paul knew there was a counterfeit being preached there, and he didn't want them to fall for it. And I listen, the devil didn't change his tactics. Mm -hmm. He's been preaching the same counterfeit for 2,000 years, right? Look in uh, verse 13 of the same chapter. Um, for such are false apostles, those who would preach another Jesus. Mm -hmm. okay. Deceitful workers, but watch, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And I'm not going to get into a whole thing about it, but when he said false apostles, he's not speaking symbolically. Yeah. There were literally men in his age calling themselves the apostles of Christ that were false. Hmm. And I know who they are. I know their names. And people would be shocked to find out who they were. We're not going to get into that right really? now. Man. I was we'll like, talk well, about come on, give us the goods here, man. <laughs> well, I don't, it's a whole other can of worms. Okay. So we'll do a thing of that. But you'd, but you'd be shocked to know who they were. They took over the church in Jerusalem hmm. in the book of Acts. So that's how you can know their names. Okay. And they did it for the money. So I'll let people do a little searching for that. Now, what is my point in this? The light of new age Devices like Reiki and yoga and crystals and transcendental meditation and visions yeah. and all that stuff, they've all been cleverly disguised lies to draw away saints from the truth, rendering them ineffective for Christ's sake. Uh, Satan knows he can't unsave you, yeah, but yeah. he can make you lukewarm. Yeah. So Christ will spew you out of his mouth. The, the devil knows the Bible. Mm -hmm. He can read. So he knows, hey, if he could, cuts off the natural branches, I've won a victory. Or excuse me, cuts off the graft-in branches. Yeah. I've won a victory. So he's trying to end the church. Uh, I guess he thinks if he corrupts it enough, you know, nobody will get saved anymore. Hmm. Now, God's always got him. God's always a step ahead of him, you know. See, I always thought that it was the other way around. Like, the church had become so lukewarm or so accept. You see stuff that they're accepting now, right? Like, yeah. Let's do uh, drag queens yeah. preaching. All we talked about. All that stuff that then people would just get so discouraged with what they're seeing in the church that they'll either not go at all or they will turn away to things of the new age. Well, both. I think both yeah. are happening. Yeah, you've got the deception of the believers and you got the turning away of the unbelievers because they're going, well, if this is Christianity, I don't... Yeah. Why is that any different than what I'm doing here? You know, they don't see any point, mm -hmm. uh, no mm -hmm. benefit there. Hmm. Because what's not being preached is 
repentance, conviction, salvation, judgment. Yeah, yeah. Who talks about the wrath of God anymore in churches today? No, no, no. Well, yeah. very few. And they used to. Mm-hmm. Boy, in the beginning of this country, there were preachers that would preach sermons that had people screaming and clutching the pews for fear of falling into hell. <laughs> I kid you not. Yeah, I guess I mean, we shouldn't laugh at that. But. Yeah, I mean, I, I laugh because the very idea is so yeah. ridiculous today when you compare what's being preached by, you know, God wants you rich and happy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, healthy and wealthy and wise. Is that your best Joel Austin? I wasn't trying to imitate God anybody. Just wants you to be do great. I'm just trying to sound slick. I don't. <laughs> I, I wasn't trying be to be making fun of them. <laughs> so go to First Thessalonians five, and notice something that there's no getting around here. First Thessalonians five verse twenty one, and we read, "Prove all things." There's that word, "prove" again. How do we prove it? Well, you put it to the test with the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't do that if you don't know the Word of God. I know a lot of people that read a lot of books, and they write me and they ask me, you know, what do you think about this? And it's not really what I think. When I reply and respond, I try to give them Scripture. Yeah. You know, because uh, I've watched this. One. This guy says this on this show, or I watch this video. What do you think? And I get, and I'm not uh, criticizing people that write me. I want you to write me. Yeah. Because I want to help you. I want to show you. If there's error, or if you're being misled, or something, I want to help. Yeah. But it's amazing how often they will say because they they went to this source, they went to that source, and they're saying this, and it's contrary to that. And I, I used to think of this, and now I'm being swayed to that. What do you think? And I and I give them scripture. Yeah. Because I, my opinion doesn't matter. You know who can? Who am I? But if the Word of God says to do something then that's what you need to listen to. So it tells me yeah. that this is where we should be going for our source. I want to think. I think a lot of people in their justification, right? They don't know where to go in Scripture to find yeah. those answers, right? Because and, it's and not being taught in the church. Because they're not being taught in church, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you're, you're so they're going to the back to somebody who actually is a Bible expert saying, I read this guy's work over here, and I read this guy's work over here. Yeah. I don't know what to think of it, because the two may be a somewhat opposing. What do you think? Because yeah. they, otherwise they pick this up, and they're like, do I go to Numbers? Do yeah. I go to Daniel? I don't know where to go. And, and they don't and they know where to no go. they get no guidance anywhere else. Because they're not getting guidance. You got it. Yeah. That's it. So... How do we prove all things? And he says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. And fast means tight. Don't let go. You don't mm-hmm. let go of it because the world's going to try to pull it away from you. And then verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. So when did we stop proving all things? Why don't we test it and then reject that which is evil? But we've, we've just allowed it to filter in, you know, a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. And that's, that's where we are today. That's why we're lukewarm, and that's why I think we're coming to the end. Another thing pointing to the times, pointing to the last days, is the lukewarm church, the end of the age. Hmm. And, uh, you know, we're going to do what we do until the Lord takes us out. Yeah. But we're going to try to warn as many as we can. And then talking about proving, so go to First John. John told us how we're supposed to do this. And in fact, I love the way he worded it, uh, in the Spirit, of course, talking through him. In 1 John chapter 4, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. And so the spirit of Antichrist was already in the world in John's time. 
So what is the, is the message here that, that we just read in those three <clears throat> verses, that if you go to a church and you're deciding whether or not it's going to become your regular church, right? Mm-hmm. That if you're talking to the leaders of the church, it, do you just flat out say to them, hey, sh- tell me about the path to salvation? Yeah. And if they say, well, Jesus is God in the flesh who was crucified for you, yeah. resurrected again, if, if they say that, then they are a valid church. Or is that what it says in verse 2? I guess is what the Spirit confesses that Jesus Christ is, is come in the flesh is of God. Well, I, I apply it even more broadly than that. I mean, that's a good role way to start to answer the question of, to, am I going to determine whether or not this is a church I should be a part yeah. of? Uh, you know, knowing what they teach doctrinally. A good yeah. way to find that out is ask them about salvation. Yeah. What do you teach a man must do to be saved? You know, yeah. I would start with that. But this, I apply it more broadly because what he's saying is think of anything that could come into your form of worship okay. that is not of the Lord. Like if something came from Hindu teaching, we call it New Age, yeah. but it's yeah. not new. Okay, so they believe in reincarnation. They don't believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Then there's a spirit in the thing you're trying to incorporate into your Christian worship that is spirit of Antichrist. Mm-hmm. It does not mm-hmm. need to be a part of that. So crystal healings, ch- channeling, yeah, astral projection. So does that mean if the if the answer that they gave you back was, well, we believe that uh, you can come to know God many ways, right? Yeah. Oh, might, might be an answer. Many paths up the same mountain. Yeah. You know, all religions are different paths up the same mountain. I'd run from that. Okay. Because that's not in accordance with God's spirit. There's another spirit. Paul said so. Yeah. Back in 2 Corinthians 11, and these spirits must be tried by the word of God to see whether they are actually of God. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't match up the scripture, it's not of God. We should abstain from it. All appearance of evil. So easier said than done. You remember yeah. when, when you were reading in Matthew 24 in the last couple of episodes about Christ warned of false prophets and they're currently, uh, they're, um, shall arise many false prophets mm-hmm. and whatever, false Christ, and shall show signs and wonders. It says, in, as much, in so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect in Matthew 24, 24 and 25. Yeah. So he warned of these false prophets, and they're currently leading the church astray right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though he's talking about the final days and the, and the seven years of tribulation, they're setting the stage for it. So if that's what's making the church get lukewarm, then how are we supposed to correct this? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the proven all things by the word of God. And then uh, one last thing, go to Acts 19. And this is where some things take extreme measures, you know. Okay. So we've talked to people. And I recall um, we had a wonderful conversation. You remember Michaela Johnson? Yeah. Who became saved after she spent time in the occult New Age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And got to see the truth of that. Um, but held on to some relics of her past yeah. related to that teaching. Uh, I think it was something like an astrological pants or whatever. She had, she had a crystal that she loved. Uh, yeah, she didn't want to get rid of that. And some pants and some or something. Pants. And she was very frank about it. I so appreciated her honesty because um, she was saying that um, she didn't realize that that was still tied to that thing. And so there was a spirit associated with it. Yeah. You know, and, and so she continued to be tormented and oppressed by some demonic entities, you recall. And then mm-hmm. finally, she got rid of that stuff. And when she was telling us that, I thought immediately of Acts 19. Okay. 
Okay. So look in Acts 19, Paul goes to Ephesus. And um, let's see, uh, verse 18. Um, oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. No wonder. Okay. <laughs> chapter 19, verse 18. Uh, while he's in Ephesus, it says, And many that believed the preaching of Paul came and confessed, verse 18, and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which use curious arts, which is witchcraft, mm -hmm. brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. I don't know how much money that is today. Yeah, it's a lot. <clears throat> but silver there. is like, yeah. what, $12 an ounce or something? Yeah. Uh, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Well, they burned it. They didn't sell it or give it away. Mm -hmm. They destroyed that stuff. So I'm saying, you know, uh, purge your house. I think I passed, I missed something in there. I meant to, um, yeah, it looks like I missed it. There were, I thought there was a passage I had. It. Oh, it is. It's 2 Timothy 2. I thought there was one more I wanted to share. Second I, thought, I thought you were just closing up on us I, here. I thought I was too. And I was thinking, wait a minute, I recall having another uh, passage of scripture in my notes. And I did. I just forgot to look for it. Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. I bet you've heard this one before. Yep. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That takes work, takes effort. Mm -hmm. So get in this book, first of all. And then he says, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. You know, when you start hearing people say spewing nonsense, and if it's, I don't care if it's in your church, get out of there. Shun it. And their word will eat us at the canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. And, you know, so there's false teachers right there. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, verse 19, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, because we're sealed by his Holy Spirit. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. All right. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. So you think of like a beautiful goblet of gold that you would drink from versus whatever they make a, a chamber pot out of, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, whatever that is. Uh, you wouldn't drink wine out of a chamber pot. Yeah. So verse 21, if a man therefore purge himself from these low vessels, unclean vessels, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet or fit for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So we begin by getting back to sound doctrine. We try the spirits to see whether they're of God. We prove all things. And then we need to purge ourselves from dishonorable vessels that bring reproach upon Christ. Hmm. And that means we have to examine ourselves and decide what is really truthfully honoring God and what are we holding on to because of some sentimental reason or yeah. whatever. And, yeah. and ignorance uh, is excusable until you know better. And so if you've suddenly come to the realization, oh, I didn't know that was wrong. Well, that's okay. Now you know. Now you do. And now yeah. you're accountable. So don't beat yourself up for what you didn't know, but what you do with that information from here on out, that's where you'll give an account. And, and I would say if you suspect that it's not honorable, it's probably a pretty good chance, right? Good indication <laughs> that it's not. And then if you really don't know, go to your preacher or pastor yeah. or somebody and ask them to help you with it. Uh, 
And uh, if you don't feel like they're solid in the Word of God, reach out to people that you know that do. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have to write me or if you have to uh, reach out to people that you consider to be authorities that, that seem to be sound in the Word of God, you know, write yeah. to them. And they get involved in teaching. And, and you know, for, this, is a, this is a podcast, but for those that are hearing this message right now that are believers and you feel like you're challenged and you're not walking the way you should or you feel like your church isn't teaching what they should be teaching, the other ministry that I have is Sunday morning messages through Unlock the Bible Now. Yeah. And they're free. Uh, there's a free app you can download from any app store or you can just go to YouTube to the Bible Mysteries channel and you can watch the Sunday messages and um, it's more exhortational teaching. Yeah. You know, we talk about wild things, conspiracies, and we were tying this into, um, you know, end times yeah. right now, but yeah. it's really kind of directed at the reason why we're approaching those end times is because the church is lukewarm. This is a good message because we've been mentioning this on many past episodes yeah. about how the church is not calling out the real issues and teaching people real doctrine. It's just yeah. getting lukewarm. But, hey, man, you open the news nowadays and you see, like, oh, this new church is allowing uh, this transgender yeah. preacher to get up in front of them. It's like, what is going on now? Yeah, and we'll get into the AI and genetic manipulation coming up here in the few wow. weeks from now and how the, all that's by design to destroy. It's an attack on God's creation and the way he commanded, because, you know, the angels can't procreate mm-hmm. uh, amongst themselves. Yeah, yeah. And God gave man the capability to pray. Only women have a womb. Yeah. Even though there are idiots out there that deny that. Yeah. But they're they're demonically controlled yeah. to say yeah. that. To say a man can have a period or to say a man can have a baby is is absolute insanity. But they believe it. And or, or, to just flat, or to just flat out say, I can't even, uh, I can't even tell you what a woman is. Yeah, yeah. Re- really? I mean, come on. That's just that's it. That's the the height of stupidity. But yeah. so it has to be demonic, and it is because that's exactly what demons do. They attack God's creation. Yeah. So that the fallen angels couldn't procreate amongst themselves. They took women, the daughters of men, yeah. you know, to create their nephilim hybrids, and the demons, which are the unclean spirits from those hybrids, hate mankind. So they're trying to bring us to the point where there's no more of us. If, mm-hmm. if, if mm-hmm. kids are getting mutilated and they can't have children, if nobody, even kids that aren't mutilated, don't want to have kids. Yeah. You know, this generation of young people see no point mm-hmm. to having kids yeah. and getting married. They see hopelessness because the current administration gives them no hope, you know. Yeah. And uh, all of this is pointing to the end times. So we have little time left. The church has got to get its act together to save the few that we can save left before the rapture happens. Wow. And that's our commission. That's all we have left. You know? hmm. So anyway, John, it's good. a deep one. Yeah, good podcast, though. Well, thank you so much for your thoughts. And thank you guys for listening today. I hope something we said today would be uh, edifying to you. And so stay tuned. Uh, after, let's see, this will be the week. I think the prior week was the release of Sylvia. Sylvia okay. McKinney, McKelvey, excuse me. So um, hopefully folks enjoyed that. But we've got some things coming up in June. Uh, we'll be interviewing another author that's going to be a fascinating discussion about sleep paralysis. Okay. You don't want to miss that. Uh, Vicki Joy Anderson has been gracious to uh, uh, agree to be a guest in our show, so we'll have that up for you in June. And other good stuff, so stay tuned. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to our premium ad-free content at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com. 